temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Hey, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And what's up to you listening wherever you are at WWL.com or the Radio.com app? Welcome on into the show. We got a big one for you today. A lot of LSU basketball to talk about as the, I'd say the demise, but certainly the, the end of an era, I think, beginning for LSU hoops as you have multiple people announcing that they're leaving the program. Well, one guy announcing and another reportedly leaving the program. We'll get into that in just a little bit. We're keeping an eye on LSU baseball today as they are taking on South Alabama, and it was tied just a minute ago, and uh, I've lost my stream somehow. So I'm not uh, – oh, yeah, it's still 0-0, bottom of the sixth inning as we try to keep you updated on this, and hopefully uh, I'll be a little more fluid. With my updates from here on out somewhere Christian Garrick I'm sure is on pins and needles here in a midweek game I will say that we, we when I walked into the studio the first text that was on the board on our text line I kind of had a chuckle at from the 985 what would it take for you to believe LSU's season has tanked LSU's baseball season has tanked I think they were asking Christian that question and I chuckled because every time LSU plays a midweek game and every time they're not crushing their opponent like they did yesterday to Grambling State 9 to nothing, you're going to get these questions. They could win a 3-1 game, and you'll have people asking, well, what's wrong with LSU baseball? Is Paul Maneri, is he overrated? Does Maneri need to be fired? Will LSU even make a regional? No. Just relax here a little bit. Tim, behind the glass. Tim Zimmer. Are you worried about LSU baseball because – it's 0-0 right now in the sixth inning. No, because Maneri doesn't get paid the coach in April. He gets paid the coach in July. Yes. In, in June, you know. Thank you. That's That may be – I've known you, what, for seven years now? How, how long have you worked in Intercom? I remember you – five – I remember the first time I met you actually was during a, a college basketball bracket contest, um, and we were talking brackets then. But I think in the five years that I've known you, that's the most level-headed statement that Tim Zimmer has ever made. And the most true statement Tim Zimmer has ever made, Paul Maneri paid to coach in July, not in April. Very true. LSU with a man on first and two outs here. Ball's pulled foul. I think it's, uh, was that Reed up to bat? Couldn't quite see. Uh, what'd you say, Tim? It's more more like June, but it does go into the end of the July. Yeah, there the end go. of the June. Yeah, in June and July. Any, any month with a J. Right, even in January, getting ready for the season. So, coach in January, get them ready, and then you come back and coach in June and July. Any month with a J, we're good for pulmonary. Pulmonary, as many people like to call him. So, we'll talk LSU basketball and baseball, of course. Spring game, a little discussion with that coming up on Saturday. Later, our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll tonight. Should the Saints trade up in the draft? And that's because the NFL draft less than a month away, we know that the Saints only one pick in that first 100, no first and second round pick. What's the plan here? We're going to lay out some different scenarios on what the Saints could do this month. Plus, 
does tonight lead you to believe LSU is ready for this huge series against Texas A&M coming up this weekend? We'll have updates and live listings to this game, and we'll talk about that Texas A&M series coming up. Our guest list tonight, yeah, the big hitters, no pun intended there, Teddy Cahill, college baseball writer for BaseballAmerica.com, really one of the premier college baseball experts, going to join us in 20 minutes, bottom of the hour, 932 we got Carter Bryant on the show. Ralph Michaels is going to be on the show. 920, looks like Ralph's going to join us out in Vegas to talk a little Final Four betting action. And Michael Rothstein, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the Lions, but we're not talking Lions or NFL. We're talking AAF. More details coming on the abrupt shuttering of the AAF, including some contradictory reports from what everybody was reporting yesterday, including here on the show. So welcome in. We've got open lines all hour long for you. 504-260-1870. That's the number. The text line is 870-870. Let's start here with LSU basketball, though, because what happened today, I think, is just the the tip of the iceberg for what you're going to see over the next coming weeks and couple of months. Two guys making news, two guys apparently on their way out. Number one, and no surprise here really, Nas Reed, he's declared for the NBA draft. He pent a a long goodbye to LSU and Tiger fans on his Instagram because I guess it's 2019 and the only way to communicate with anybody anymore is on Instagram. I actually had some weird DM messages coming at me from like four different places last night, so I guess... People dropping in my DMs. I wonder how many people are dropping in Nas Reed's DMs. But yeah, he pinned this uh, on Instagram yesterday. Here's some of what he said. Quote, LSU changed my life in more ways than I could have ever imagined. Uprooting my life and moving from New Jersey to Louisiana posed its own challenges. But the family waiting for me on the court made the transition as wonderful as it possibly could be. I cannot imagine doing this, uh, doing anything else, pardon me, and again, would not be in this position without all of you and everyone who has ever believed in and supported me. Thank you to my LSU family for welcoming me with open arms. Once a Tiger, always a Tiger. I would say maybe two to three months ago, this was a little surprising because I don't think Nas Reed's stock was high enough where he could have entered that kind of top 20, maybe towards the lottery, although I still don't think he's a lottery pick here. But the way he played down the stretch and the the versatility he showed with his inside-out game, his ability to face up, his ability to shoot the three, his ability to defend and defend the interior, in the NBA, he can either play the four or with the way the NBA is going, he could play a small five. So it was no surprise to me here that Nas Reed declares for the NBA draft. He is the prototypical one and done. He's not... You know, Zion Williamson or R.J. Barrett, you know, that's skilled, but he is a one-and-done prospect. Just because he's not doesn't project to be a superstar in the NBA doesn't mean he's not a worthy one-and-done guy. So that happened. Now, the other news that happened that was a little bit surprising but probably not as you know earth-shattering or earth-moving was LSU's interim coach Tony Benford initially being reported to take the Texas A&M job and join Buzz Williams' staff there. Buzz Williams just hired from Virginia Tech. But then you had Tony Benford refuting those reports later in the day, um, although he chose his words very carefully. Never said I wasn't. Didn't say he wasn't taking the Texas A&M job. Never said he wasn't leaving LSU. He just said, "Right now, I'm the interim coach at LSU, and the reports of me accepting the job—I'm paraphrasing here—are uh, false." Tim, what you got? 
It was kind of funny because Yahoo put out a report that Thursday before the Michigan State game that he was actually going to leave to go coach with Buzz Williams at A&M. So I guess these reports would be accurate. I think they probably will be accurate. I would imagine what's happening here with Benford is they're still negotiating some contract details. But, Tim, if you're Tony Benford here, you don't want to go down with this ship, do you? I mean, this is a sinking ship for LSU basketball. Now, it might not sink. Maybe Will Wade plugs the holes with that April 22nd trial, and somehow he, he maintains here, and everything is hunky-dory relatively come the summer. But right now, do you think Tony Benford wants to go down with the ship? I mean, if Will Wade leaves, he's obviously gone as well with all the assistant coaches. I'm, I mean, he may get a pay raise at A&M as well, so maybe that's another reason why he leaves. But, yeah, I mean, I guess more – more stability would at A&M would definitely be the case. Yeah, man, that's what it's all about. It's stability. It's job security. It's We don't know the contract details yet, but you know Texas A&M has boatloads of money with their boosters. So not really a surprise here. Nothing on the other players, you know, Emmett Williams or Tremont Waters or Javante or anything like that today, and also no really more details on Will Wade. We're going to have to wait till. April 22nd on that, and that now is less than three weeks away when he will appear in federal court, at least has been subpoenaed to appear in federal court, and I'm assuming that's still going to happen. So this is the beginning of the true chaos for LSU basketball. If you thought that the last month or so after Will Wade was suspended and all of the the fallout after that, and you had Javante Smart being held out. If you thought that was madness, um, well, it, it's about probably to get pretty ugly with the departures you're going to see, players, coaches, and then, of course, the guy at the top, Will Wade. I still am not – kind of like I am with Alvin Gentry. We talked about this yesterday. I'm not 100% sold that Alvin Gentry is going to be fired. I'm also not 100% sold – that Will Wade won't be back next year. I've always said throughout this that there is a chance that Will Wade returns. I think a lot of it has to do with what happens at that trial. And let's be honest here, a lot's going to have to do with what Will Wade decides to do with Joe Oliva and F. King Alexander and the administration. At some point, he's got to meet with all these people that want to meet with them. And then he just does. LSU, and we've had the uh, analysts and legal analysts on our show, and LSU could have fired him for cause already. Now, they probably would have run into some litigation because of that, because he's invoking essentially his Fifth Amendment rights here and his vice of counsel. But yeah, it's, it's just ugly. And I, if he wants to remain as head coach, and all of the Will Wade supporters out there who want him to remain as head coach at LSU, at some point, and some point this month, and probably sooner rather than later, he's going to have to meet with the administration. That's that's all there is to it. They cannot sit here and wait out this trial and watch every other big-time coaching candidate who might come here and salvage the program walk away and take other jobs. That would be program suicide, and I certainly hope that the LSU administration doesn't act that way. interesting thing would be if the trial actually gets dropped here and there's no trial at all, and then Will Wade doesn't have to stand on trial to tell the truth because once he's on, the, you know, once he's up there, he has to tell the truth. Well, if there's no trial at all, he can tell LSU the administrators and the NCA anything they want to hear because there's no roof, no, I guess, no way of you know proving that's the truth. Well, that's not a very hard defense of Will Wade if you're saying, well, as long as he doesn't have to tell the truth. He'll be okay. I mean, on trial you have to, but if you're talking to the LSU administrators, <laughs> there's no way of you know knowing the truth. Well, I understand what you're saying. I know I, I understand what you're saying. There is that you, you go to prison if you lie 
to federal investigators or lie in court when you're under oath. You won't go to prison. You might lose your job and lose money if you lie to your bosses. I get that totally. We'll wait and see what happens here. I just got a text from the 504. Please ask Seth to give his opinion on whether Will Wade will ever be back as coach. Think. Do If you're putting me on record right now, which I don't really like to, but I will since I got the question, do I think he'll be back as coach? No. I just don't. It it's, go, comes back to the program. It comes back to Joe Oliva. You have all of this coaching movement right now in college basketball. LSU, in my mind, and I know Glenn Gilbo we had on yesterday, he disagreed with me on this a little bit, maybe a lot bit, but I do think there's some building blocks here for LSU, mainly because Will Wade and, and these players and this program proved again that if you win here, you will have the support of the fans, you'll have the support of the media, you'll have the support certainly of the administration and the students, and also he proved that you can win here. This was a really important season for LSU, regardless of, of anything that happens sanction-wise or Will Wade-wise, really important season, and I think it's a relatively attractive spot for a lot of people who see just how much money it, this is involved in this athletic department and the resources that can be used here to make this program elite um, again. We'll wait and see, though. But Tony Benford looks like he's out in Nasri and he declares for the draft. We're going to open up the phone lines now, 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. South Alabama and LSU tied 0-0 top of the seventh inning. South Alabama, no outs runner on first. We'll keep an eye on that. Maybe have a live listen in. Coming back next. I'm Seth Dunlap. Just getting started tonight. It's the last lap on WWL. Text from the 225. Did any other program get caught up in this investigation? I thought it was more widespread. Yes, lots of them. Certainly Sean Miller at Arizona. He uh, reportedly was on these wiretaps. You had uh, Mark Gottlieb, former coach at NC State here. Um, you have Auburn assistant coaches, Kansas assistant coaches. I mean, it, it's deep and it's widespread. The difference here for Will Wade, we've gone over it. I don't really want to rehash this part, is that he is actually on these wiretaps. Uh, and it was played in federal courts, and these are being released. It's just its not good for a lot of people. It's not good for Will Wade. But phone lines lighting up like we knew they would. We started talking about this. If you missed it earlier, two LSU departures today. Nas Reed declares for the NBA draft. Pens an Instagram post on his way out to LSU fans. Heartfelt goodbye. And then Tony Benford reportedly on his way to Texas A&M. He refuted those reports a little. It didn't really say I'm not going there. just said right now I'm the coach at LSU. So probably some contract details still getting worked out. And who knows, maybe LSU can somehow trump Texas A&M's offer to keep Tony Benford here and keep a little stability. Who knows? Let's go to Brian and Kenner. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, Seth. Thanks for taking the call. I, 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 um, I'm still confused about the uh, influence of the apparel companies on uh, college basketball. Could you give me a brief, like uh, a primer on how this works? And um, also comment about if any of this impacts football, college football recruiting. Yeah. So just a very brief, you know, Cliff's notes version of this and and really brian and i'm not i'm not being you know snippy or flipping at all with this it's worth a read like just block off an hour you know maybe you're laying in bed tonight or something just go read some of the stuff online it's it's a really tangled web that reads kind of like a novel 
I mean, it really does, like some kind of you know true crime novel or something like that. But just the brief synopsis of this is the shoe companies and apparel companies have contracts with individual schools. And some executives of those shoe companies, Adidas before, that's what was in the trial in this last October, they were found guilty. They were funneling money to prospective college players and, and recruits and steering them towards their preferred schools. So if I'm Seth Dunlap recruit out at, uh, you know, Wilbur Creston High School and I'm a McDonald's All-American, then I have these men from Adidas and Reebok and maybe Nike coming in, although Nike seems to be a little bit further away from this than the other ones and coming in and saying, well, hey, Seth, I'll give you $100,000 to go to Kansas. And then somebody else comes in and goes, well, I'm, we'll give you one twenty-five to go to School X. Just an example there. And uh, the federal prosecutors argued successfully. Remember, this is con- resulted in convictions. Argued successfully that those men defrauded the universities. A lot of those men going to prison or have been found guilty and have been uh, had their sentences pleaded out. Kind of the Cliff's Notes version of it, Brian. Hope that helps. Let's go to Pierre in Gentilly. Pierre, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Seth? How you doing tonight? Good. What's up? I'm just um, before I make my comment. I'm just glad to hear you know you back on the radio because I know hey. you had to take up a little break. Hey, so, thanks. You know, just glad to hear you. Hey, no problem. Hey, uh, Pierre, one, I want to pause for just one second because I forgot one key, uh, you know, note in my Cliff's Notes version. Uh, the coaches were involved in this too. A lot of assistant coaches, Brian, and everybody else out there listening. So not only do you have the shoe companies in this, but you also had the coaches working with these uh, shoe executives and these quote unquote bag men to steer these players in certain directions. That's why you have all these coaches involved, and now Will Wade's involved in this um, too. Hope that helps. Sorry, Pierre, but uh, go ahead. Oh, that's okay, uh, Seth. Um, I just my comment is, uh, I know what Will Wade did was wrong. Um, he should be punished, but I just hope there's some way that uh, LSU can retain him. Yeah, it's well. Here's what I'll say on Will Wade, and I've said it from the beginning, and I I completely believe this. This isn't some kind of career ban he deserves from coaching college basketball. Some really bad things here, it looks like. Some untoward things, but a lot of people are involved in this, and he's young enough and really talented enough of a coach where I fully expect if he no longer coaches at LSU, what's going to happen is at the end of all this, during his goodbye or after all it is, he'll say, I did some things wrong. He'll have a press conference or a release statement. I did many things wrong. I'm sorry I let down X, Y, and Z. This won't happen again. And then in a couple of years, he's going to resurface somewhere. I mean, we saw it with Bruce Pearl. Got into trouble at Tennessee, went to TV, great analyst. Now he's back coaching Tennessee at the Final Four. I'm coaching Auburn in the Final Four. Thanks for the call, Pierre. 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. Got more calls coming back. And Teddy Cahill, Baseball America. We'll talk a little LSU on the diamond. Welcome back to the show. We'll get to Teddy Cahill, Baseball America. In just a second, LSU has gotten out of the top of the seventh. They're to the bottom of the seventh, tied, scoreless against South Alabama. Brian in Austin, welcome into the program, Brian. Hey, thank you. LSU grad, 1980, thrilled to be on the show. Thank you. You bet, Brian. Um, I'm not as deep a basketball fan as I used to be. I remember Dwayne Scales and Ethan Martin and all those guys when I was there. What's up with the other programs? Coach K is still coaching. Self is still coaching. 
if these other schools are involved, is it, that, is it a university choice to let them continue coaching until all this comes out? Has um, LSU taken a stand of honor? Uh, to, a short answer to your question is yes, but there's a big difference here, Brian. Massive difference. Will Wade's on these transcripts. Will Wade was on these wiretaps talking to Christian Dawkins. Bill Self wasn't. Uh, there's no indication, you know, Coach K was, or to be frank, there's no indication that Duke's even involved anywhere in this. Now, you can have your own opinions and assumptions on that, considering Zion Williamson and his dad is on these transcripts and on these wiretaps talking to Kansas about money and jobs, and then he goes to Duke. I'll let you make your own assumptions there, but Sean Miller, he has been linked to these wiretaps. That's why he's in relative hot water at Arizona, although they suspended him briefly and allowed him to coach. But just it, it's different. It's not just the stand of principle. I, I've said it all along. If Will Wade was not on these wiretaps, he would still be coaching. You could have as many rumors and innuendo and people reporting that he was involved. If he wasn't on these wiretaps, if he, those wiretaps weren't read in federal court, Will Wade would have been coaching. I just, there was nothing they could do. And especially there's nothing that the administration could do after he refused to meet with Joe Oliva and F. King Alexander and the board. I mean, I've said before, any job in the world, you refuse to meet with your bosses and you're going to face some really severe consequences. Thanks for the call, Brian. Appreciate you listening in Austin. Go Tigers there. Teddy Cahill, BaseballAmerica.com, joins us now. Uh, Teddy, no LSU uh, basketball talk, fortunately. Let's talk a little. <laughs> let's talk a little LSU uh, baseball, man. Um, how you been? First of all, it's I think it's the first time we talked to you this year. Yeah, it might be. Uh, you guys were pretty wrapped up in basketball for a while, but it's baseball season now, and uh, it's hard to believe it's April, but we're, we're humming right along. Yeah, we, we really are. Um, LSU and South Alabama tied 0-0 in the seventh. Um, let me ask you this, Teddy, because we were uh, a little tongue-in-cheek fun here earlier in the show because you always have the, the freakouts by some in the LSU fan base if you know they're not blowing everybody out in midweek. Do you give any credence to midweek games, not just for LSU, but anywhere uh, for these top teams across the country? Uh, do you pay attention to these midweek games? I mean, I, I, I have to say I pay attention to them because they do count for RPI. Now, in terms of how much am I reading into them, uh, not much because – you know, with, with all these top teams, they have to, you know, the, the weekends are the weekends and you have to win in conference play, but you also have to get your younger players to develop and, and get other players who are, aren't performing quite as well as they should be. You have to get them work to get them to a good point uh, because in baseball, you don't have much practice time because you're playing so much. So they have to get, get there, there's just a lot of different fat factors going into these midweek games and uh so long story short long story short is uh they they matter because rpi doesn't understand the difference between midweek and weekend uh <laughs> but you do have to look at them differently if you're looking at it from your own eyes yeah this so that excel formula that spreadsheet formula doesn't uh, you know differentiate between all you know the time of the game steady what's going on here it, it does not and you know also i mean south alabama walks into the box and you know that's i don't want to say it's their super bowl but it's a significant game for them whereas lsu views it a lot differently and these are 18 to 22 year olds and uh you know we saw north alabama beat Ole miss yesterday and weird things happen it's, it's baseball and i know that's tough for a lot of people to understand how how upsets like that happen but uh, that's part of the, the wonderful game of baseball. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, we were just talking about it with college basketball. It's why it's so hard to win that tournament with 68 teams. The best teams well, pretty much are all out, except maybe Virginia. Um, you were at that LSU-Mississippi State series 
um, last week. What did you think about not only LSU, what would you think about Mississippi State? These are two of the best teams in the country. Yeah, I was impressed uh, with both teams, really. I thought on Thursday night, uh, Mississippi State played really well in that win. I came away very impressed with what their offense did to, to Zach Hess. And, um, but then the next two days, LSU really played very well. They, I, I think one of the best things about LSU is that they play so fundamentally sound, they, they are not going to give many things away. They, they aren't walking batters. They aren't making errors. Uh, you really have to earn stuff against them. And then their offense, which had been struggling for about a week before they got to Starkville, um, you know, really came alive in those two days. And I, I thought, you know, what, what was very impressive on the, the last game and the, 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 the rubber game was that it was just a steady drip all game long. And Mississippi State couldn't find a pitcher to stop it. And, you know, DePlantis hit two home runs and there was a double. But for the most part, it was just, you know, hit after hit, just moving runners along. And, uh, you know, I, I think that this lineup has some dynam- dynamism to it. But it also is just a lineup that goes one through nine in, in ways that, that can find ways to hurt you, uh, you know, if they don't get the big, uh, you know, the big swing or, or uh, you know, a, a couple doubles in an inning. They still will find ways to score runs ultimately. It's Teddy Cahill of Baseball America joining us at Ted Cahill on Twitter. And the game one starter, Zach Hess, he struggled relatively against Mississippi State. He was great the previous week. And I guess this is just kind of a microcosm, Teddy, of his last two years. And he's been, you know, topic A or maybe, you know, 1B of conversation around these parts pretty much all season long. What do you make of his inconsistency uh, this year and really going back to last year? Yeah, I was uh, going into Thursday pretty excited to see what he him because of what he'd done over the last two weeks against Kentucky and Georgia. And, you know, he still had the good stuff. Mississippi State was just able to square it up. And, you know, I, I've said for the last probably two years now that if LSU is going to reach a ceiling, Zach Hess starting on Friday nights is a part of that. And, you know, until someone else steps up and, and takes Fridays on, you know, I, I don't see other options really. And so I think that they just kind of have to live with it a little bit. And, I, you know, I think that what he'd done against Georgia was very impressive. And, um, you know, I, I'm, you can't throw that away just because he had one shakier start against one of the best offenses in the country. And I think that that can't get lost is just how good the Bulldogs offense is. So, you know, we'll see where he goes from here, I guess, as, as SEC play continues. Yeah, that's just one of the many great baseball teams, programs here in the SEC. Of course, LSU you're going to see another one this week playing essentially for the SEC West lead, Texas A&M half game up there. What do you think about this series? What do you think about Texas A&M this year? A little, little surprising, a little better than I thought they would be um, coming in this season anyways, Teddy. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that. But I, I, what, what A&M has going for it definitely is uh, it's one-two punch at the front of the rotation. They've got two lefties that can match up with anyone in the country, really. And if uh, Dexakis is going right on, on a Friday night, you know he's, he's really hard to beat. And then they come back with Oswald Lacey the next day and uh, things just don't get any easier for, for an opposing team. So that's kind of where their bread gets buttered. Um, they're not as offensive as Mississippi State was. So you know, maybe that's a good sign for a good LSU pitching staff or, or a good thing for an LSU pitching staff that they don't have to face a, a team that's gonna, that comes into the weekend averaging nine runs a game. How are you handicapping the SEC right now? I mean, it's so difficult. Um, I, I, I couldn't do it, but I guess that's why we have you on. How do you handicap the SEC <laughs> as a whole right now? I, you know, I think the the West is almost impossible to right now. You know, you, you have six teams that are either six two and one between six two and one and five and four, and 
uh, they're all really, really good. And I, I, who, who comes out of it is going to be very interesting to see. And some of it might just come down to how everyone does in crossover games, who you get. And you know, so we'll see where that goes over the next you know, couple months here. But uh, overall, it's the best conference in the country. And whoever does ultimately win the SEC West is going to have come out of a cage match. And you know, it's, it's probably going to be better for it, having faced all the tough competition that they face. And I just warned everybody that it's middle of the year, so you don't really start looking at standings to the end of the year and overall records to the end of the year. But I got to ask you about Florida here. Did you see their relative struggles coming? They're under 500 in conference right now at four and five. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, no, I, I can't say I did. I mean, I, I thought they were a top five team not very long ago. Um, but I will say that their SEC uh, struggles came against Mississippi State and at Vanderbilt. Um, that that's where those losses came from. And so those are two exceptional teams. One of those series was played on the road. Uh, the way that Vanderbilt beat them was not, it was not good for Florida at all. Uh, but I, I think that they're going to bounce back. They're a young team. And so I did see growing pains coming. I just wouldn't have guessed that they'd be four and five, three weekends into this. So Vandy's so interesting. They were either one or two in most polls coming into the year, had some early season struggles, but now they've got it rolling again. Is this, this the title contender, the College World Series you know, title contender that you thought they would be coming into the year? Yeah, I, I think so. They, uh, they're really, their biggest hiccup really just came at A&M, and they gave that series away, basically. They had it won, and then their bullpen blew it on Saturday, and they couldn't get it back on Sunday. Uh, otherwise, they've you know looked necessarily like the Vanderbilt that we are used to seeing because they aren't quite as strong on the mound and they're stronger offensively. Uh, but I think the offense is plenty um, and the, the pitching is good enough. And, you know, I, I think it's a good combination. And I think that, you know, it's, it's in the East, it's, it's a Georgia, it's Vanderbilt, and it's Florida that you're looking at. And I don't know who, how it's going to shake out, but I think any of those teams uh, come the end of the year, has a chance to be the you know one of the best in the country and, and win that CC East. All right, here's the $64,000 question. Uh, that doesn't really sound right anymore, does it? That was an old game show in the 50s. Yeah, that does, it's pocket change now, but the big question, who's the best team in America? I'll get you a loft in uh, Starkville. <laughs> right. Yeah, you go to San Francisco, that'll get you one month rent or something like that. Uh, <laughs> who's the best team in America right now, Teddy? Uh, I'll take UCLA. I think just the way the Bruins are playing right now is, is pretty impressive. I think that they're a pretty complete team that still hasn't hit their stride offensively and is still playing as well as they are. Uh, and they get Stanford this weekend, who might be the second-best team in the country. They are number two in the poll. Um, and so I, it'll be interesting to see how that series shakes out. But, you know, right now I think it's UCLA, but I also don't think it's like it was the last couple of years where Oregon State and Florida were clear-cut the best team in the country. Uh, at, at various times, and I, I think that this year there's there's a lot more parity at the top end of, of the college baseball world. All right, settle the regional debate for us, if you can. Pac-12, three teams in the top seven in the Baseball America rankings. What's the better conference right now, Pac-12 or SEC? I think the SEC is better top to bottom. I think the Pac may have better elite teams, or at least is right there in terms of elite teams. So I'll go with the SEC because I like overall depth. But, you know, again, the Pac-12 right now is the best two teams in the country. So 
if you wanted to go that way, I would certainly understand why, but I would opt for the overall depth that the SEC offers. Yes, and you're playing to your fan base here, uh, Teddy. So well, <laughs> well done there. I Teddy. know your audience is important. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Teddy, always appreciate the chats, man. We'll do it again soon, I know. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Sounds good. All right, Teddy Cahill, college baseball writer for BaseballAmerica.com. It's on my morning bookmarks and needs to be on yours, too. I head to that site every day, read your college baseball coverage and LSU baseball coverage um, at Ted Cahill on Twitter. Looking over at LSU, they have the go-ahead run at third, full count, and Zuplanis slaps it foul down the right field line towards the bullpen, and the count remains three and two. In fact, Tim, can you pull it up right now? We got that. We do have it. Let's go ahead, and this is uh, Antoine Duplantis, and the stream's behind a little bit, but it looks like Duplantis has driven in the go-ahead run. Go ahead, Tim. I'm looking up to my left, and I see Tim Chicago Cubs leading the Braves 3-2. to two. Tim, how's your Major League Baseball season started off? Because <clears throat> oh, mine's going swimmingly, my friends. Uh, my team has the best record in baseball. I mean, if the Cubs win tonight, I'll be fine. I mean, we've, I think we have two wins this season. Let me check that. No, one win this season. <laughs> so two and three won't be that bad if we get a win tonight. Yeah, it's isn't it weird that the A's and the Mariners have played eight games and the Cubs have played five? This is weird. At least I'm not melting down like Yankees fans who are two and four. <laughs> well, yeah. The Boston Red Sox are one and five. The Yankees fans and LSU midweek fans uh, in the same. Yeah, so just calm down, LSU midweek fans. We'll be fine. Look, they're winning tonight. Todd Peterson on to pitch for the Tigers in the top of the eighth inning. LSU leading one to nothing. I am curious. I had a big debate about this with my buddy Brent when he was here this last week on these early Major League Baseball starts to the season for a couple of teams. So if anybody missed it, and I understand you're not really paying attention to Major League Baseball a lot down here, but we had this really weird thing happen where the A's and the Mariners had their season opener a full week before everybody else. Not only that, but they – had these regular season games in Japan, which is great because Ichiro retired. Really cool scene. Um, wish I was on the air to talk about it. It's really memorable. But after that, they went back and played more spring training games. So you had the opening of the regular season, and then you had the A's and the Mariners going and playing more spring training games. It's just weird. I, we were confused by it. But you're also a baseball junkie. What do you think of this? I was trying to figure out if a home run on a different continent actually counts in the MLB rule, like, you know, rule book. <laughs> so there, is there I a, wasn't sure there. Is there like a continental uh, clause? In the in the home run standings, home run category. Those games were on at five a.m. and I remember waking up because the I think the last game in Japan went into extra innings in the twelfth inning, and it was like ten a.m. our time and it was still going on. I was like, this is a crazy game. Yeah, indeed. What'd you what'd you think about Ichiro's final moments out there? Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it was a really good moment, especially him getting the start in the final game of his career in Japan. That was that was pretty uh pretty cool moment. Lots of tears going around in that one got an Orioles fan in our audience text from the 504 go Orioles yeah Orioles four and two on the season half game behind the Rays but I want to talk about a sport that you really don't pay attention to the standings until like three months into the season four months into the season that's baseball I can't tell you how many times that you see these teams these bad teams like the Mariners who are a they're going to be a bad baseball team you can see them out to these ridiculously hot starts they're seven and one and everybody gets excited, and then they just tank. And you have teams like the Red Sox, who are one in five. How m much – Tim says Miami's a bad team. Yes, Miami's been a bad team for a very long time. 
how much do you think Boston fans are freaking out right now with the Red Sox, who are supposed to kind of waltz their way to another title? They're one in five right now, Timmy. Yeah, if you look at the run differential right now of all the teams, the Boston Red Sox lead the MLB with minus 18. That's not good, although they have some good players. Chris Sale did not look good at all last night. His uh, his mile per hour on his pitch was 88 miles per hour. It's weird because it was the same thing against Seattle. I was watching that whole game, and Sale just got shelled by the Mariners. You're talking about one of the best left-handed pitchers in the game. I think a lot of it has to do with him pitching so much later in the season in the World Series last year. And also, I think they're trying to save him a little bit because they know they're going to need him all season. And Chris Sale is vulnerable to getting arm, you know, his arm hurt uh, with his funky style. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not surprising that he's struggling right now. But also, um, I mean, I, I'd be a little worried if it was 88 miles per hour, especially a guy who can pitch like him. Yeah, but those lefties, they can kind of change their – mechanics and really their I don't know, their strategy that's the wrong word for it but uh, how they view pitching in the major leagues later on in their career I mean come on Jamie Moyer if Jamie Moyer can pitch till he's 45 years old throwing 80 miles an hour I kind of think Chris Sale is going to be okay Text from the 504, after the All-Star break is when I really start paying attention. Yeah, that's it's true. That's really, at least standings-wise, you should start paying attention after the All-Star break. It's the last lap, back after this. Nice music choice, Timmy. I love it. Get on, get on the mic here. Wait a second. I didn't know this. This is a Christian Garrick song? This does not sound like a Christian Garrick song. Christian loves the Gap Band, apparently. That amazes me. I've talked quite a bit of music with Christian. I would have never guessed that. One hour down on the show, two to go. We're going to talk a little Final Four next hour. Ralph Michaels, handicapper in Vegas at wagertalk.com, is going to join us and our weekly spot with our buddy Carter Bryant. Stick around for that right now. Head on over, if you can, to our WWL Radio Facebook page as we're going to go Facebook Live. We'll talk a little LSU hoops. Nas Reed declares for the NBA draft. Tony Benford perhaps on his way to Texas A&M. Is it panic time for LSU? WWO Radio Facebook page, Facebook Live now. And if you can't join us now, head on over to the page when you can. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.